What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast. Today, I have a two-part series with Mark Germain, who is a research-based practitioner. That basically means he works as a researcher on several studies, but also as a performance nutritionist with several senior-level GAA clubs. Today's episode is all about nutritional considerations for GAA athletes. Very, very interesting. So sit back, relax, and listen. Okay, welcome back to part two of the chat with Mark Germain. If you haven't listened to part one, just go to the episode right before this. And if you are coming right off the back of part one, then you'll know what we're diving into here. Um, for those that don't, in this second half of the chat, Mark explains what his recommendations are for caffeine supplementation, uh, how to take it, how much to take, um, especially for different positions on the pitch, which is very interesting. Yeah, we spend a good while on caffeine. Safe practice for supplements. Uh, his protocols for match day um the snacks and the drinks he has available and the protocols he uses with his teams off-season recommendations obviously with specific kind of respect to the covid time off and the lockdown um, it mimics an off-season of sorts or a period of injury so i just wanted to kind of like see what his thoughts were there and what his recommendations are towards athletes and then finally i ask him to go into a few challenges that he's faced and how he's overcome them with his athletes so not gonna do any more chatting i hope you enjoyed the first part and i think you'll enjoy this too okay so we touched on supplementation there with uh, the energy gels and things like that first question before i ask you about any kind of supplements you recommend um, in terms of the warm-up and accounting for the warm-up, do you have any supplements or snacks that you kind of you have ready after the warm-up, especially for the starters? Yeah, so in the, in the change room, we'll have like a table set up. And um, I don't have anything like specific for everyone has to take. What I kind of I don't really mind what form they consume stuff in. What I try to do is provide options so that people can consume whatever their preference is. So we'll typically have some fluids available. So carbohydrate drink, they'll have water and electrolytes, for example. Um, so there'll be fluids there. There'll be solid form. So we'll have like jellies out, for example, so that you can have solid form. There'll be gels out as well. And then some gels will have caffeine in them. Some won't have caffeine in them. And then we'll have ch caffeine chewing gums as well. And it's not like everyone has one of everything. It's just so that some people prefer to have a gel and drink some water because you get like the same amount of carbohydrate in a gel as you would drink in a full um, bottle of leucocyte for example so some people prefer have a gel and then just sip on water some people just don't drink water at all and prefer just drinking the energy drink so they'll have them some people like having caffeine beforehand and some people don't so they're the kind of to, to break it down there's always like a carbohydrate source there so we'll have a carbohydrate drink carbohydrate gel and carbohydrate solid form and then there'll be one or two forms of caffeine supplementation as well so they're your kind of immediate supplements directly before the game when they're coming in after warm-up prior to going out and they could be chewing caffeine gum as the anthem's coming on for example or something like that okay uh in terms of caffeine um i know people might not really get milligrams in but what would your recommendation be for milligrams and, and the timing before a match 
And then maybe what's that in cups of coffee or, you know what I mean? Or a can of monster. Yeah. So again, this will depend on what form they're taking it in. Um, so different forms kind of get into the blood at different times. The, the ones which are more popular are the caffeine gums. And typically people start taking them about 15 minutes beforehand because they get into the bloodstream a little bit quicker. The idea behind the ca- caffeine gum, the idea now, it doesn't actually only work out like this. So the idea is that it starts being absorbed in the mouth under the, under the tongue. But what actually happens in practice, I think, is that you end up swallowing a lot of the juice anyway. So it ends up going through for its past metabolism. So you're kind of getting, um, you get a lower, a lower kind of peak. But we'd have caffeine gum, we'd probably have about 100 milligrams. Um, and then some people might take two. I kind of recommend people take two, so they're getting 200 milligrams. But some people might only want like 100 milligrams. There seems to be kind of an inverse effect of caffeine when you go above 200 milligrams on cognitive performance. So that's why I kind of say, you know, 200 milligrams you're still getting a physical performance benefit but hopefully then you're not getting any kind of additional anxiety because i know some people in powerlifting are taking them like 800 900 milligrams because that's just the culture like they don't care about cognitive performance because there's no decision making it's a simple skill you know you want to get hyped up and lift the bar yeah whereas you don't i'm I'm not a sports psychologist but don't you have the kind of inverted you hypothesis of like anxiety and arousal so if you tip it over too much in a decision making sport or skill-based sport that might not be beneficial so i think in 100 milligram to 200 milligram if it's a gum probably like 15 minutes beforehand you can get strips that you actually just leave on your tongue and dissolve so there you get them in like 40 milligrams so they're in smaller doses, but the idea is that because it gets into this, it doesn't have to go through the liver. Uh, it should you should be able to get away with a lower dose, getting the same amount in the blood. Uh, and then you also have like solid forms, so whether that be pill or even in a gel. Then ones you want to be taken depends when you want it to kick in. So sometimes you don't need it to kick in straight away at the very start. Sometimes it might only start kicking in 15, 20 minutes into the game, but anywhere from like 30 to 60 minutes beforehand with those. And with regard to what that is in coffee, it, it depends on on the brand of coffee. But we'll say like it's probably about one to two cups of Starbucks coffee. I'll say the, the caveat with that is that it's like your brand chain coffees tend to differ by caffeine content depending on what day it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Early on in the week, they seem to have higher caffeine content. And later on in the week, they seem to have lower I think this is to do with the roast. So I know intuitively you would think dark roast equals strong coffee equals strong caffeine. But what seems to happen is the longer it roasts, the more caffeine gets dissolved out of it or denatured or something like that. So lighter roast actually equals more caffeine. So so on your like Sunday, Monday, maybe Tuesday, you've got um, higher caffeine content in these shops. And then you're going to have different caffeine contents from different chains. So, Cafe Nero is going to be different than Starbucks. It's going to be different than, you know, Nespresso and Costa. But like on average, it's probably going to be one to two cups of coffee in that kind of range. My friend, um, he's a performance nutritionist as well. He's actually in the MMA uh, sphere as well. His name's Colin. He told me about a study that they went to a Starbucks seven days in a row and got the same coffees. And the, the caffeine content was way different throughout the seven yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what happens. I, I, I am I'm assuming 
that's because of the roasting process that the beans are in there during the weekend to get roasted. I'm, yeah. I'm just making that assumption because I know that lighter roast bean is more caffeine and darker roast. So I'm assuming that's why it changes when you're in the shop from like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So yeah. the more yeah. they get roasted, the less caffeine, caffeine in it. But like that, that kind of goes to like, why are we talking about this? Well, if you're at a senior level and you're trying to, you know, have reliable information about how much milligrams works for you, then maybe don't go with coffee. Maybe go to supplement where you know exactly how much milligrams you're getting. Yeah. You can individualize the dose and you can be really specific with the dose when you're coming with kind of supplement form. So yeah. it's, the, it's less, you're taking some of the variance and uncertainty out of it when you're going with like a gum or something like that, as opposed to going to the shop and getting a coffee, you're probably not going to have the opportunity to go to the shop for a coffee if you're in you know the dress room you're in you're warming up and stuff like that so it's probably not going to be that it's probably more practical to get like supplement form when it comes to caffeine as well yeah yeah true um and then last ca- caffeine question uh, i had one or two players and actually i'm one myself um caffeine it kind of works differently for some people well i don't know i'm going to ask you this but people get are, are some people susceptible to become kind of anxious that u-shaped curve that you're talking about maybe it's kind of like shifted skewed one way they they present all the somatic symptoms just from like even one cup of coffee or a small dose of caffeine like i know myself and um, playing basketball it definitely didn't help me and um, because you know things like shooting free throws dribbling uh plays things like that i wasn't able to focus because maybe i was maybe i was consuming too much but is there something you experience where people are just not suited to any caffeine yeah, like I have a friend who was like that as well, actually. He's like really sensitive to caffeine. Uh, and there are people like that who just can't take caffeine. Um, I had someone as well who couldn't take caffeine because of digestive reasons. It just didn't oh, agree yeah. with him. So he, he just couldn't. Um, that that might be something to do with like your, your genotype. I know that there is like, so there is some research. I've heard other people question this research and there is some research kind of contradicting it. But there is some research depending on your genotype that, it, it basically influences how fast you metabolize caffeine. So if you metabolize caffeine really fast, it kind of gets into your system kind of a lot quicker. You can get it out of your system a lot quicker. Um, and it, it all depends on whether you carry, I think it's like an aura. The way that, I don't know how, how to, how like uh, much detail people want for. Essentially when caffeine comes in, it goes to the liver and there's like a, uh, an enzyme family called uh, cytochrome P450. And what this enzyme does in the liver, it, it acts on all drugs and caffeine is essentially a drug. It essentially, caffeine comes in as lipophilic, which means that it's not really water soluble. And this cytochrome P450 enzyme through process adds a hydroxyl group onto caffeine. And all this does, all ca- hydroxyl is a zero H. And when you add that onto caffeine, it just basically makes it water soluble so that you can actually go into the blood, go to the kidneys and be excreted. So depending on what genotype you have, you can actually have kind of more upregulation or downregulation of this enzyme family in the liver, which then affects how you metabolize a drug like caffeine in particular. So the, the actual enzyme is like working on caffeine this time. So this, that, that may be one way how your genes actually influence how you respond to caffeine. And I think you can get that tested through just even saliva samples. I've never had it tested. I've never seen anyone have it tested, but I'm nearly sure, like I think it's like a nutrigenomics, I think that's the name of the company. He'll do um, testing through swab samples, for example. Okay. Yeah. So like what I would have told people is, um, those, those individuals is, 
you might be consuming more caffeine than you think. Uh, you might be overestimating it and you're just getting jittery because you're obviously getting to the anxious side of that U curve. Um, so maybe go with supplements and start at a low dose. But then if that's still making you jittery and I always tell them to test it out of training, you yeah. know, you know, at a tactical training or even a pitch, a full pitch training before you're doing it in a match. Um, then maybe you just might be someone, but I didn't know about all, I didn't know about that kind of mechanistic genotypic uh, difference. Okay. That's very yeah. interesting. There's, there's some research in, in health as well that they could get different, you know, like is, um, you'll see people saying like, oh, coffee's bad. And then there's some like, obs- like epidemiology research showing that caffeine is associated with actually improved health outcomes. And I think the response, like cardiac response and everything varies depending on what type of genotype someone has. So from a performance point of view, a good researcher to follow in this area who's done research and athletes would be Nancy Guest. So she's in Canada. Uh, I think she actually works with that company, Nutrigenomics now, but she did her whole PhD in the area of caffeine and genotype and how it influences performance. So that would be, if people are interested in learning more, she would want to recommend in the area. Yeah, I might link her up. So Nancy Guest. Um, I have two more rapid fire ones on caffeine. Sorry. For people that do get stomach distress, do you recommend eating a meal, making sure you're eating food with it and not having it too close to performance? Yeah, um, and I actually found that this, uh, with the player who I was saying it with, is that he never could take caffeine, but I gave him a box of those caffeine gels, so the carbohydrate gels with caffeine in them, and he's fine with them. So it seems like if you're consuming it with food, it may help. There's obviously going to be, like you said, individual. So it's all these... Because the gut, I find, is a very complex one. Um, it wouldn't be an area that I'm very strong. A lot of the time, people come to me with gut issues. If it's not something simple, I, ref- I refer out because I kind of push that down more towards um, recommending to like a clinician, uh, like a clinical dietitian or someone. I've asked like friends who are specialists in gut. So if it's not something as simple as, you know, try it out with food, and if that works, then great. And if it doesn't work, it's normally something that I'd kind of refer on to someone who has more expertise in that area. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then the last one is for people who are, um, it might be the same in Dublin, but I had a lot of athletes who were guards, right? And that's yeah. common in the GA community. Yeah. And night shifts were a thing. So caffeine was a thing, habitually drinking caffeine. Um, so they were very, not desensitized, it would say. And so I kind of recommended to them to do a little short, uh, resensitization where they kind of cycle off it for a week or two and the research as far as i'm aware is it only takes a week or two for you to kind of like increase your sensitivity to caffeine again right is that is that yeah. something that's true yeah yeah like it seems to as long as you're not taking it for a couple of days you still get that effect all right um like we have some guards in in dublin as well and even aside from caffeine like shift work in general is very hard to manage it's very hard to work shift work and train. Uh, and what I find as well, I don't know if it's the same with you, is that sometimes due to the scheduling, they were having to do their gym session at 1 or 2 a.m. Mm. when they're on when they're on a break from a shift. Um, and in them situations, I was kind of like, you know, they were like, can I take any like pre-workout or anything beforehand? And I was like, well, no to pre-workout, but, you know, what time are you going to bed? And he's like, I finished my shift at like 7 or 8 a.m. I was like, well, then... It's probably not too bad than if you had like an espresso an hour beforehand, the gym session at 1 a.m. Because if you're struggling to get it in, well, I wouldn't consider it best practice. You know, it's because caffeine is bad for sleep. 
you know, so if there's any kind of sleep issues with going in and getting to sleep when you go home, then that's a big no-no, um, having that caffeine anytime during the night because normally you like to see it knocked off a little bit earlier. But it's a, it's a tricky one because it's another one of them things where you're trying to find a pragmatic solution where the science would say, don't do it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not best practice, but it's pragmatic practice. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes you, and sometimes you're doing this, like I was saying earlier, like you're trying, you're trading off. Like if you put like on your your science site, you're like, shouldn't be. No, there's no science for that. There's no science for that. But then sometimes you're trying to, as you said, just be pragmatic. Yeah. So what's better? Like if he if he still can sleep in the morning, is it better that he gets a good gym session in during the evening or a lethargic gym session in the evening? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I. And you know, it's, it's individual. You're trying to individualize strategies and monitor response, um, as opposed to just like implementing this. Like everyone have coffee in the evening. It's kind of you're trying to suit the situation to the individual, yeah. which which is very hard with guards. I found that hard hard with the guards. The guards um have a tough all right doing the shift work and then training and then matches. It's it's a hard old gig. Yeah, and it's ironic because a lot of GA players are guards, especially county yeah. level. Yeah um cool and just last one on supplements creatine is that something i just did an interview with uh, scott forbes and i got the lowdown yeah. on creatine every every question i could ever have and people uh, uh he answered him but would it be something and he actually asked me a question to ask you about um do you recommend it for mma fighters but maybe we'll get to that another another time but is it something you recommend to your athletes yeah so creatine yeah. is one that well i'll tell you like in terms of supplements we don't have we don't give it to players loads of supplements, but every player will get um whey protein, just so that they have a protein at home. Um, and creatine is another one that every player will get. Although some some players like are a little bit skeptical, you know, they think it's just kind of like water retention. Um, but everyone gets a bag anyway. Uh, and then I suppose if the only other supplements besides from them too that kind of everyone will get would be vitamin D and then during the winter I'll give them like zinc defense lozenges so that you got these just in case anyone comes up with any colds or flus or anything like that, that they have these zinc lots just that they can take straight away. But apart from that, you know, any other supplement would be kind of individualized, you know, apart from like caffeine and gels on, on the day, you know, we wouldn't go too much further as we're kind of pumping loads of supplements into people. Yeah. Um, and then on that, when, when, so you guys supply all the supplements for Dublin, do you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We've got okay. a sponsor. Oh, okay, nice, nice. I'm sure, yeah, with Dublin. But for for I was with the the Clare senior footballers, and uh, something that I was shocked by was the lack of informed sport that were like people were asking me, "Is this okay?" And it was something that I really didn't kind of understand fully. That there's a lot of, and I know David, who you work with, David Nolan, he puts this kind of out on the regular. It's up to like ten percent of supplements off the shelf are contaminated with prohibited substances and is that is that some like is there any kind of recommendations you give besides maybe just checking for the informed sport logo or is that kind of yeah yeah so it really depends on the the product as well as uh there's some products which are even higher so if you're thinking about like anything that says fat burner on it is normally very high in terms of contaminants with stuff which is banned any type of herbal supplement so herbals are, because of so many different compounds in these kind of herbal extracts, they tend to be really high as well for contaminants. So you're talking 30, 40%, so it's not small in these types of supplements. Oh, 
And then like testosterone boosters are another one which are massively um, major red flag. But like they're the kind of the obvious ones. But as you're saying, all the other supplements do contain a risk as well. And the issue is, it's not that like supplement companies are purposely putting contaminants in food. It's that a lot of these raw ingredients are sourced back from like factories in China. And they might be making, you know, perfectly um, legal and safe stuff on one side of the factory, but they might be making testosterone or something in another side of the factory. And you might get particles, which kind of, if they use like the same conveyor belt, for example, and you might get particles from the illegal stuff being contaminated in the quote unquote safe stuff. And that's how you get contamination occurring. And particularly if you're involved in a drug tested sport, that's why you'd always recommend that someone would get a supplement which has been tested for athletes. A really easy way to do this is as you the, the site that you mentioned, if you go into like informed sport, you can actually type in, say like you went onto informed sport, you type in creatine and you'll get a list of all the companies which have safe creatine products. So there's lo- loads and loads of companies which test this stuff for ath- athletes and you'll have a big, big list of them there. Um, I say one of the big things as well is that for an athlete is just ask someone in the club or particularly if there's a nutritionist there, ask the nutritionist. So like you were saying when the players came up and asked you, is this okay? Like that's that's probably the best thing you do because your best place to give them, you know, reliable information. So so that'd be a big one. Um, just make sure that it is kind of tested and informed sport is what you'll get in Europe. Although there are some ones in the USA as well. So you get like BSCG and I think NSF is another one, which is like trying to come over here. So there are a couple of certifications that are legit. Um, so just just be aware of that. Uh, yeah. And again, just just be aware of the like the really red flag ones, like our testosterone boosters, fat burners, etc. And it's just like the highlight. It's not just them because there has been people who have been done for whey protein. There's been people who have been done for elect. Someone, a rugby player, went in and got electrolytes out of boots and got done for contaminate contaminated electrolytes out of boots. So it is even. I'm, I was. You're, I worked at a vegan before, and at the time there was no tested B12 supplement. Um, and you know it was concerned like oh, oh we'll fuck. probably get. So I was like oh we'll probably get you a B12 supplement. I went on to foreign sport. I was like, you can't actually get a vitamin B12 supplement which is tested for athletes. You can now. Like one got released like a couple of months ago by Healthspan, but like at the time I was like oh well, we'll just have to work around that somehow. Like because. Like I was saying, even if you go into boots and get something, the risk is still there. If, it's, if it hasn't been tested deep, it just, it's just a risk. Yeah, yeah. Um, two points on that is as well, a company might say batch tested on the label and that does like batch tested for pollutants or contaminants, but it's unless, not unless they have the informed sport logo because companies do their own batch testing sometimes, you know, for major, yeah. major red flags. but. Uh, and I actually had one or two examples where they came to me and I was like, that's not actually approved by, cause informed sport are a third party testing. Uh, and I've actually contacted them before cause I work with a supplement company. And um, so it's not enough to get just batch testing. It's, it has to be informed sport batch testing. Yeah. And I'd, I'd actually go a step further and go on to informed sports website cause informed sports ah, okay. a couple of years ago actually released a couple of companies who were using their logo but weren't actually batch tested through them. So there are some instances where, where companies might do that. They might put it on their products, but not actually be batch tested through them. So I remember like they raised that. It was like a handful of companies a couple of years ago. So that's why I'd always just double oh. check. 
go on to inform sport and then when you get the product you can always double check because there will be a batch number on the product that you can get and if you go onto the website and type in the batch number and then it'll come up your product so then you know that yeah that's fine and then you're able to download the batch certificate and everything so you're able to download the certificate that says this is when it was tested and it's free from all contaminants and you can what i normally do is i save that for my own records so that i have all the the records on the supplements that we get for the players just in case like touch wood you know anything did happen that you've got well all the supplements that they're taking here's the batch of the certificates that they're all kind of clean and it's you know it's good to have like a record to support yourself wow yeah yeah um i'm going to link that up in the show notes actually i'll link up the site and yeah that's a great that's a great tidbit uh, and then the last thing is some companies batch test some supplements and they are given the kind of general label of batch testing in form sport. And I had this difficulty with one company, I won't mention names because I could get fucked over. Uh, not that I have a huge listening or audience or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it was a company that had a special range of three products that they had in form sport tested and the rest of their products didn't. And they were all lumped in with that they were approved. Yeah. yeah. yeah so that yeah. was, that was a big one. Uh, you know, like you'll get a company like um, so so Healthspan will have two ranges, for example. So you have Healthspan, and you know all of Healthspan's products which are tested are Healthspan Elite. So anything in Healthspan Elite is tested, and then they have a generic website for their other stuff which is untested. So they kind of separate it like that. Okay. Um, and and then you'll have some companies which do test everything, and then you'll have a lot of companies like you said which will test some products and won't test others. And the rationale for that is that it's very, it's actually very expensive to get your products tested third party. So if you're just selling to the general public, it's not very cost effective to test yeah. all your supplements. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So I have two more questions, and one is we were talking earlier about you. You're injured yourself, and you're kind of you're getting an idea of. Um, what it's like to an injured life. And I've experienced that myself as well. But um, the lockdown that's currently imposed in Ireland is almost in a way kind of mimicking an injured period for athletes. You know, a minor injury, maybe like a grade one tear of a muscle or something like that, where it's four to six weeks out. What are some quick hitter recommendations you give nutritionally for athletes who are either inactive now because of lockdown or that are injured? Yeah, so uh, I say the most important thing is probably the load. So from a trainer's perspective, just staying active in in general, you know. So you'll have like training programs to uh, to do at home, because particularly if you're thinking about muscle mass preservation, like one of the things that we'd always recommend is you know maintain a high protein intake, like two to two point five grams per kg. But if you're not stimulating the muscle not even high protein intake is going to be able to save you. So just like I'd always preface it that you know. Nutrition is there to support physical activity, but you've got to do the physical physical activity in itself. Uh, so, and then two would be that it might present an opportunity to do some work which you may not get the chance during season. So, like for example, we might have some players at the moment during off season, and we might be able to implement some strategies which are not very practical to do in the middle of season. So we wouldn't typically do in the middle of the season kind of sleep low, train low training, but some players are wanting to kind of recomp during this kind of off season period at the moment. So they, they're able to train 
so they have some people might we've given players some weightlifting equipment as uh, some players have their own home gym for example or something like that so they're able to do training at home or they might be doing running and what we'll do is kind of these kind of sleep low train low run sessions something that i'm experimenting with because like i said we wouldn't have done it before in ga is and it's kind of hard to do unless you're doing it in the off season because you've got games every week and so on but it's something which has kind of become more common practice in endurance so i'm trying to we're experimenting now at the moment to kind of building up your endurance capacity during this time because even though we're in lockdown you can still go out for a run all the time you can do 5k 10 10k runs you can go around the park so i'd say make sure you're taking the opportunity to, to still do exercise Make sure that you're maintaining a high protein intake so that you're going to be preserving muscle mass. One that I was doing as well is we did it when we came back and I've said it to people is now that they're at home is that we will use kind of collagen recipes as well. Okay. Um, we'll do that for like tendon health and ligament health. Uh, and you can get some supplements. Well, supplements are very expensive in this. You, get like, you pay like £2.50 for a supplement, whereas you can make your own collagen jelly for like less than a euro each and if you're consuming that prior to doing exercise then hopefully you're kind of maintaining tendon health and hopefully that will reduce the possibility or chances of incurring any injury when you do go back to training because i think one of the biggest risk factors is going to be the increase in load so if you increase load too quickly when you do go back training so if you maintain load now, maintain your protein intake so that you're maintaining muscle mass, and then also kind of try out these kind of collagen recipes so that you're supporting not only muscle mass but also tendon and ligament health as well. So that at least at least from a physical point of view that you're taking care of your your muscles and tendons so that when you do start increasing load, going back into training, and it it depending on your access to equipment, you may present an opportunity for people to focus on areas of training which they may not have otherwise. So maybe they have an opportunity to now to focus on muscle building, whereas during the middle of the season, they might not have had the opportunity because you're playing matches and you're doing pitch training sessions. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you've got an opportunity now to focus on fat loss. And during the middle of the season, you might not have had the opportunity because you're focusing on fueling for games all the time. So you might have a little bit more flexibility to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to targeting fat loss or it comes to targeting muscle gain. And, before, and then you can start kind of going back more performance focus as you start coming into the season again. Gotcha. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I've done that myself for sure because yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to do anything body composition wise during a season for sure. Cause yeah. Especially cause you're, you're going to impact performance and your energy levels and recovery and everything. So it's, that's a really good, that's a really good recommendation to kind of maybe focus on those in a time where you think nothing's really possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's possible to do it now. Like it is good, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah, especially when you you can still go outside and you know go for runs and things like that. Um, cool. Okay, so three quick hitter problems or issues that you have faced with uh, your GA athletes, and so I'll just give my examples and just some things that you might have given, and these very quick hitter, not like you don't have to go into too much detail. Mine were. Uh, athletes who travel a long distance and how to um, kind of have meals based around this traveling uh, recovery periods and then just accruing lean mass in some of the younger players who were very light they were very very talented and had a bright future but they could not put on lean mass 
And they were kind of the three problems I had. And were there any for you? Yeah, so I suppose one issue that you see a lot in GA is that people have got such busy schedules because unlike in other sports where they're professional, because it's an amateur sport, you'll often have people who are in either university all day and coming to training or they're in work all day and coming straight to training from work. Uh, so what I'm saying is that sometimes it can be hard to get in a good pre-training meal. So to try combat that, like if people are coming straight for work, sometimes what we'll have is we'll have like some sort of like two to one, you know, it's a recovery drink type of thing, your two to one, three to one shakes, but we'll have that powder available in the dress room just in case there are people who are coming from work straight to training and haven't and don't have a chance to stop and get somewhere to eat, particularly if it's in normal times and they're in traffic. So at least if they get the training an hour beforehand, there's these kind of kind of carbohydrate protein drinks that they can have before training and they're still getting a little bit of energy in. Um, so two would be another, we're probably going back to the guards. So it's very hard for to manage, you know, food intake for the guards, especially if they're going sometimes straight from training into shift. So what I've done there is that one, you can get them to kind of pre-prepare the meals or you can kind of cheat like uh, I did and I got our catering company to kind of prepare pre-made meals for them so that if they're going on shift so like if we train on a tuesday i'll get i'll get them like two meals so that they have a meal for tuesday night shift and third and wednesday night shift so then you're kind of cutting out that you're, you're cutting out the possibility of them stopping into a spar and getting a little bit of crap so you're giving them good food and it's just a little bit easier way to to manage that and then as I, the third, third one was probably what I kind of referred to earlier is that I had a, quite a few players who were having the issue of waking up in the middle of the night not, um, and not being able to sleep because they were getting up and going to the bathroom a lot. And that's when I was saying about focusing on adding your kind of electrolyte tablets or your salt tablets to your drinks. So they're kind of retaining onto that water and it kind of reduces the need to go to the bathroom. So they, they're three things that just come to mind straight away. Awesome. Awesome. So with that... Um, the listeners, whatever footballers or hurlers listen, there got a ridiculous amount of information. Um, and then I want you to talk about this program that you and David have, have kind of put on or made available because it sounds amazing. And like, I don't think there's any better place to go for evidence-based nutrition in a way that you can understand and that's feasible and pragmatic. So will you just tell us a bit about that? Yes, yeah, so myself and David Nolan Synapse um, put together like an off-season plan slash course. It's, it's, it's simple. It's made to be kind of for athletes. So we're kind of breaking down into very simple information, just kind of there's, an off, there's off-season diet templates, there's off-season training plan, and then there's also some like um, uh, I've made some like videos essentially going through, you know, this is breaking it down very simply, you know, how you manage your macronutrient take off, um, off season recovery, some supplements that you might find and some female specific considerations. So we've done that. I think it, we've done that quite uh, easily in a package. It's like 4999, um, yeah. which isn't too bad. Uh, and it's the goal is meant to be easy for our athletes to kind of consume and apply so that you've got the option of kind of tailoring it yourself. We kind of give the education so that people are able to design their own one, but then you've also got the, your own training templates and um, 
nutrition in place as well. So we've got like um, bulking templates or muscle gain templates for nutrition and training. We've got like maintenance uh, nutrition templates if you're just trying to maintain body weight. And then we've also got kind of like fat loss nutrition templates. And what we'll probably do then is we've done this one for off season and then we'll probably do another one with a focus on pre-season. So what we might, what you might need to switch our focus from off season to the pre-season because uh, there might be some different goals depending on the athlete. And then hopefully then we might do an in-season one because I think that's probably when it gets the most interesting because off-season in particular is a little bit more, you can fo- like we were saying, you can, uh, you can do, give a little bit more attention to muscle gain or fat loss, which is a little bit more generic. Whereas in-season sport nutrition, is, it gets a little bit more complex because like we were saying, it's harder to fully focus on fat loss because you've got performance demands you know, it's harder to fully focus on muscle game because you've got training demands and you might be training for fitness on one day and muscle on the other. So hopefully then next year we'll be able to do another one with kind of like in-season training-specific and match-specific kind of guidelines as well. Nice, yeah. And that's that's an unbelievable value at forty nine ninety nine compared to working. That would be one session. That would be half a session with some performance nutritionists so, or dietitians. So definitely, definitely couldn't recommend that more. Um, and then in terms of finding you online, so maybe not only your social media, but, uh, your, maybe your research profile, like on ResearchGate as well for people yeah, that are I'm interested. On, I'm on ResearchGate. Um, I probably need to update my, my latest one. I'll have like ResearchGate. I think I've just like marked my on ResearchGate. So okay. I'm able to find, find me on ResearchGate. Um, Google Scholar, I've updated that recently as well. So I'll just have a Google Scholar profile. Hopefully I'll start adding more to it this year. So like I was saying, we have a writing up a paper and now written up another review paper. Um, and then hopefully next year when research starts back again, we'll be able to get a little bit more out. And then in terms of social media, um, Instagram, just mjermaine91. You know, uh, I don't post loads of content. I post more on stories because if I'm bored, but I don't, I don't really post loads of content on that. And then on Twitter, I'm just at Mark Germain. And I'll share um, more stuff, uh, science-related. So I'll, I'll share more science-related stuff on, on Twitter. But just if you see me commenting on any post, just ignore it because I just tend to get lost in comments sometimes on Twitter. It's a bad place to it. It's a bad place. Especially for, yeah, especially for science related fields because um, who said it? I think it was Alan again that said it. You can't, you can't get your point across in, what is it? A hundred characters or 150 characters? 140. It's hard. 140. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get, uh, it's hard to have a conversation. And I think the problem as well on, on social media in general is that it's very hard to get tone across so, you know, like if you're having a conversation, it's very easy to disagree with someone in person because it's very easy to get translate tone and you can have a conversation like, like disagreement. But on social media, everybody perceives everything as an attack. Yeah. And, yeah. and Twitter becomes a very hostile place, yeah. you know, because you get people saying, oh, why are everyone so angry? And, you know, people, some people probably aren't angry at all. They literally just might type like a sentence or something like that. And then, everything's perceived as angry as and aggressive and it's just i think twitter has become very hostile i think it's a little bit different than than facebook because facebook you pretty much only communicate with your friends or friends of your friends because so it's all whereas twitter is just a free-for-all yeah you're 100 percent right but in saying that um 
it is a good place to get science, you know, so scientists share all their latest science on Twitter. So that's what I use it for as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. That is me for, and probably about 10% of the fucking questions I had, but, um, maybe in the future we might get you on for MMA related stuff, maybe long down the future, but, uh, that I, I know yeah. there's a lot of people interested in that. But with that, I just want to say thank you so much. That was very, very informative for myself and hopefully for the listeners. Um, and thanks very much for coming on. Ah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I always appreciate being asked. All right, that's part two wrapped up. Hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I'll definitely be adapting my I suppose methods when I'm working with teams and individuals based on that I honestly learned a pile of information and I hope you did too obviously if you are not a hurling or football player and you're a listener outside of Ireland play soccer or basketball maybe or some other sport these concepts and tidbits can obviously be applied to your sport as well and your training so i did say it's nutrition nutrition strategies for ga athletes but it's obviously outside that too it applies to others so if you have friends that play other sports field sports you can obviously recommend this too and i would appreciate it if you did i'll link up mark's links or his uh sites here in the description so just scroll down to the description working on the show notes as I've mentioned, hopefully I'll have them ready soon when I have a bit less work on my plate. But with that, pretty much it. Hope you have a great Wednesday, if you're listening on Wednesday, unless you're listening some other time. A few other fantastic guests coming up, big ones. So stay tuned for that and share this if you can. I would really, really appreciate it. Anyway, thank you very much and have a great day.